how's it going? Welcome to the Note to Self podcast. I'm your host, Jojo, and this is your ultimate mindset space where we unpack all of the advice you so easily dish out to your bestie, but forget to remind yourself of. We're going deep on all the things that are holding you back from becoming the most confident, sassy, empowered, fabulous, and most importantly, truest version of you. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, baby doll. I hope you're amazing today. I am so excited to bring you this next episode. It is the first guest appearance of season two of the Note to Self podcast, which I am thrilled about. And what better way to spend it than with Nicola, who is a self-worth relationships and dating coach. And she's a trainee therapist, so she knows all the things when it comes to your love life. And I cannot freaking wait to get into some of the conversations in this episode. You're, I know you're going to just totally be obsessed with them. You're going to learn so much and be so excited to move into dating or your relationships and have deeper conversations and just feel so much more open and available to be your authentic self with the world. And I cannot wait to get into it. Whether you are a totally single, pringle, ready to mingle, whether you are having the worst time of your life whilst trying to date or if you're in a super long-term committed happy relationship, this episode is for you. We talk about so many different parts of dating, but mainly we're chatting through boundaries, how to set them and communicate them specifically to your partner or the person that you're dating to make sure that you are able to show up at your best self and you're not being walked over and you're not being, you know, people aren't taking the piss with your boundaries. We talk about communication in such a powerful way. I think so many of the conversations we have relate back to communication and just being able to have those hard, deep, powerful conversations with your partner. And we speak about attachment styles, which we very quickly learned that my secure attachment style that I thought I had developed over the years is probably more still an anxious attachment style, which is deeply upsetting to have figured out. However, you know, we live and we learn and we're all here to grow. So this episode is going to help you through so many different parts of your dating world. And I'm so excited to get into it. So I'm going to let you crack on with your life. In fact, before I let you crack on with your life, screenshot this episode right now, put it on your Instagram stories, give me a cheeky tag, and I can slide into your DMs and give you a big fat thank you. I loved recording this episode. So I really, really hope you love it just as much as I did. And I will chat to you soon, boo. Nicola, tell me, tell me who you are. Tell me what you do. Give me a, give me a Tinder bio of bios. Go for it. So I am a self-worth and dating coach, and I'm also a trainee therapist as well in my final year. So I kind of bring that element into things as well. And I really help people just navigate dating and relationships and really like awaken to their worth as well, because I do find it shows up, that shows up in a lot of like dating issues, basically. Yeah, I love that as well, because I do feel like that is always at the, like the bottom when you really pick it all apart. Literally everything comes back to self-worth and I say it all the time, but I find that like the fundamental, like bottom line of literally everything, the root of every single thing that we that we do, that we have, that we react to, like it always comes back to that self-worth, doesn't it? And I yeah. love that this is your this is kind of your gig and what you encompass when it comes to your relationships and dating advice. How did that become your gig? Like walk me through why that starts, that started to light you up in the first place. Um, so I am a former, probably still am a little bit of an anxious attached person. And it just caused so many issues in my relationships in the past. And 
it was only when I really started working on my self-worth that that started to change basically and I started to see so much more improvement with all of the relationships around me not just romantic ones and I was just like okay this is what people need like instead of going out there and you know looking for like how to text someone to get them interested it's actually like I need to work on my self-worth and the relationship with me you know yeah so you said that you are an anxious attachment style that's me. talk me through <laughs> you're like guilty talk <laughs> me through that because there's going to be some people listening to this that are like same like I'm literally on your wave there are going to be some people that are like sorry what is that like what what are you talking about so talk me through because this is coming back to attachment styles right yeah. talk me through what the attachment styles are what I guess the the different ones and then we can kind of riff off of that yeah yeah and um, so anxious attachment is basically what it sounds. It means you have a lot of anxiety when it comes to relationships. So this might be like overthinking, overanalyzing things, constantly anxious and worrying about the relationship in general. You know, this might show up by constantly thinking about someone if they've not messaged you back, maybe texting lots of times, just generally feeling not secure in the relationship. And that largely comes from, it can come from past relationships or it can come from childhood. You might have had a parent who was there sometimes, but not always there emotionally. So you kind of have a taste of what that connection, you know, that nice emotional connection is like, but you also didn't get it sometimes. So you kind of go towards that because you want it more. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of not having, I guess, that stability of somebody just being not even at your beck and call, but just like meeting your needs in the way that you need them to be met. Um, so that's anxious attachment. And I bet there's so many people being like, that is me. (laughs) What, like, is there a certain, so obviously there's a couple of other different types as well. And we'll move on to those in a minute, but are there, how kind of common is that in, in relationships and just in, in ourselves to be that anxious attachment? Like how many people do you reckon on this podcast are being like, this is me 100%. Yeah, so I think it's about a third of all people are actually anxiously attached. That's actually quite a lot. I think in our kind of generation, you know, a lot of parents when we were younger, they maybe were out working and things like that. So I think a lot of us have that, not always having that emotional connection available to us, which is quite sad. But that's probably a reason why it does show up quite a lot. And tell me about the other types of attachments that you have, because I feel like I definitely, and maybe we can talk about this in a second as well, but I feel like I've definitely in the past Mm -hmm. had, like, I'm like ticking all of those boxes. Like, yes, I'm definitely an anxious attachment type. However, Mm -hmm. that's definitely shifted for me over the last couple of years. And so I guess straight away, my question is like, can that shift through throughout different relationships or is that does that always come from a change from within is that like based on different people or is that based on ourselves so it can definitely change for example if you've been with someone who is more avoidant which I'll talk about in a second that can cause you then to be more anxious so if you think about it's caused it it can be caused from childhood let's say you're in a relationship with someone Maybe you're in a relationship with someone who is very anxious. That can cause you to go, to go the other way then as well, if that makes sense. Mm. And actually, um, you know, creating that more secure attachment can be created through a safe relationship as well. If someone makes you feel safe and at ease, you don't have to be anxious. So that's why 
it is really important to do this work and recognize that but you can also create that safe relationship within yourself as well and that can I think that's where the self-worth comes from I think that's exactly the shift I made like I've had a lot of Hmm. <laughs> unproductive relationships shall we say <laughs> I've had we've got douchebag one douchebag two we, do you know what I mean we're, we're we're full of the douchebags here but I know that as soon as I met my partner I shifted almost instantly from being that I would say probably more on the anxious side of things than the avoidant but I've I mean you can have tendencies of all of them right or is it you're usually very much like bright light on one side of things it's definitely shift and especially you know they both come from the same things essentially so I'll talk a bit about avoidant so avoidant is basically your parent was mostly not there emotionally so you've become accustomed to kind of self-soothing yourself and having comfort in not having someone there and you know because you didn't get your needs met much or if if at all you have kind of become scared of that connection. But ultimately they are very similar ends of the ends of the stick, you know? And if you are with someone who is more avoidant, that men, then may cause you to be more anxious and similar, yeah. Yeah, so it's like e- either way, either in either of those types, your needs aren't being met in some way. And yeah, your, yeah. I guess a lot of it as well requires you to kind of respond to what the other person is like. So. How important would you say, I feel like we're dotting all over the place, but how important would you say it is to know your partners if you're in a relationship or even in the the kind of dating world? Or I guess even, can this show up in friendships as well? Yeah, it can show up in any, any kind of relationship. I wouldn't say like it's particularly like you have to know because I think sometimes people can get like caught up in the labels like, oh, they're anxious, they're avoiding, I should stay away from them but it might help you understand the way someone is. Um, For example, anxious and avoidance actually tend to attract each other quite a lot. Mm. If anyone's ever been in an anxious avoidant dynamic, it's a very interesting dynamic because they do attract each other because on one side of the scale, the anxious finds the avoidant very attractive because they're very independent, they don't need anyone. But on the other side, avoidance really like that anxious know how to connect, like almost too well so they like that um and at the start as well an avoidant can actually be quite open and not avoidant because Ooh. the connections just started so they feel quite safe in that but it can often be once the relationship develops a bit then they start to get scared because things are getting too intimate and that's actually where like love bombing comes in a lot I don't know if you've heard of that oh talk to me about love bombing Oh, I love these cheeky definitions. Go on. Yeah, so love bombing is basically, you know, when you meet someone straight away and they shower you with love and affection. They might even say they love you straight away. They shower oh, you sorry, with this and things like that. <laughs> but yeah, that like they feel, uh, avoiding people can feel like it's safe to do that in the beginning. But it's on, almost when things start to get a bit more in depth, that's when they're like, okay, that's enough for me now. Yeah. So when things get like a bit too real and you're like, oh, oh, I'm in this now. Is yeah. that, do, do you find that at avoidance tend to kind of rebel or run away from things or will they kind of stay there, but just be maybe emotionally switched off? Is it more kind of a physical get me out of here? Or is it more like a, I guess, vacancy in terms of their emotional capacity? 
Yeah, like in a way, it's actually a way for them trying to connect with you more because they feel safer if they're away. They feel like they can connect more there because they feel safe, but safe in that. But it will almost be like a physical, like I need to get out of here as well sometimes. So it's their way of keeping themselves safe and protected because they fear that intimacy. But in a nice way, they are trying to connect because they're like, well, if I go over here for a bit, then I'll feel safe to come back. So that's why you often get people who, you know, they kind of go away and they might like then text you a month later. Like, hi, I'm how are you? God, I would die. Like if somebody <laughs> took a month, so I would be like, no, get in the bin. I've already moved on and I'm in love with somebody else. <laughs> yeah, but that's like, that's good. That means that shows that you have like a, a level of self-worth, but there will be some people out there who will get that message in a month and, you know, that they maybe have really low self-esteem and they might be like, oh, hi, yeah, how are you? And I think that standard, if you let people treat you in that way, then they will. Like our boundaries train people how to treat us. And unfortunately, people will like get that message and, you know, get excited and be like, oh, I've heard from them again. And unfortunately, that will then teach that person that they can do that. They can drop in and drop out. And obviously, that's not what we want. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's so, it's so, I mean, straight away, we could have a whole different podcast episode on boundaries full stop. But I think that, I mean, I've definitely been in that, uh, I guess, situation before where I've been so, I don't know, smitten over someone. And then I've, I've created a boundary where I've said, absolutely not. This is not how I wish to be treated. And then let them leave. And then they've come back a couple of months later and immediately their phone picked, like my phone pings, it's them. My heart's racing. I'm like, fine, I'll love you forever again. It's, and I, I do find that that tends to be a really toxic environment for me because I, I have a tendency to hang on everyone's potential. Do you know what I mean? And kind of want to be, um, I don't know. I see a lot of potential in people all the time. And so the idea of people tends to be the thing that draws me to them. And then rather than the actual human behind that. But yeah. I, as soon as I got with my partner now, I found actually, as you're speaking about this, I'm finding I was definitely throughout a lot of my previous relationships, a very anxious attachment style. And he is definitely more so on the avoidance. Mm-hmm. And so we, and when we connected at first, I was like, say we had, a, not even a dis- we've never really argued excessively, but uh, like say we had a disagreement or something that we didn't see eye to eye on, I would be like, let me fix this. I want to talk to you. Come on, like, pull me closer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. he would be like running for the hills, going and being in his own space, needing that time for himself. And I couldn't understand. So it's, I think it's really interesting what you say about being able to understand that there are different types of, of us out there that respond to things in different ways. Because yeah. as soon as we realize that about each other, that I want to communicate and talk things out and and fix things and he wants to be in a quiet room until he's over it and then he'll come back and he'll love me forever and it'll be amazing but as soon as we realized that difference in each other we both switched and became so secure and I think now we are both ultimately like very very secure attachments to each other but I don't know if I could say the same if I was in a different, do you know what I mean? In a different relationship. So that's interesting. Um, but tell me about the secure relationship, the secure, sorry, attachment style then. Yeah, so secure attachment is, you know, you probably had parents quite, you know, quite happy, quite emotionally available to your needs, made you feel quite safe and secure. You could generally express yourself. Um, they might have, you know, modeled how to communicate openly 
and you never felt like you couldn't be yourself. You didn't feel rejected in any way. You felt just quite comfortable and happy. And, you know, that makes you who you are today. You're quite comfortable, happy. You're able to give love, but also receive it. You're happy to have space from people. And you're just generally quite like happy within yourself. Like you don't fear that rejection. You don't, you don't get your self-worth from relationships because you feel worthy on your own. Yes. Oh, that's so important. Do you think that that, so obviously that attachment style to me, yeah. And I don't know whether this is just how um, how people are portrayed in maybe movies and TV shows. And like that to me immediately seems uncommon that someone would just be able to give and receive love equally. And it be, you know, and I guess you be on that more secure side of things. Do you think that that's, that, that is more common than we think? And it's just the, I guess, movies and and I don't know, drama's fun, right? And like secure attachment, I feel like, sometimes that can lean on them more maybe this is boring like safety and I guess being safe being uh, stable being calm and I don't know free of chaos I question this very regularly a lot of because a lot of my previous relationships have been so chaotic sometimes the safe the boring the the not even boring that's so harsh but you know what I mean it can feel boring and uneventful and undramatic and we know me I love to be dramatic (laughs) that can sometimes feel you can sometimes kind of sit and think oh oh this isn't right if I'm not feeling something more do you feel like that's a really common uh place to be to be in a secure attachment style or do you feel like it is one of the less common versions of of attachment styles that we have so I think it's a it's a very big scale so I think you know you can move up and down the scale and become more secure and I do think there is probably a lot I think well the science says there is quite a lot of secure attachments out there but I, I feel like if you are more on the anxious or avoidance side you probably won't see that as much because you're being drawn to the opposite side of the scale but there are a lot of, you know, happy people just kind of plodding along, not not in the drama and not in the chaos. <laughs> Who, Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. But it is a skill. So there will be people like I think now I am still a little bit anxious, but I'm definitely moving more towards the secure side. And I think, yeah, you will often attract people who are similar on the scale to you as well. So there might be some very like you know, people who are drawn to a lot of chaos, they probably have quite a strong insecure attachment style, be it either anxious or avoidant. Mm, why do you think that is that we, because I know so many of my clients, have had, I've had this conversation with my clients an awful lot when it comes to that sort of, we tend to be attracted to the chaos mm-hmm. and we tend to be attracted to those, I guess the negative patterns in relationships, in even dating, even in life, I think it's very easy to be attracted to those negative patterns. Why do you think that is? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, so I think a lot of that, again, comes down to childhood as well. And, you know, for example, if you've observed, you know, maybe your parents, maybe they had quite a chaotic relationship, you can actually learn and take that on that that's normal. And that's what love is. Or even if you had like a a relationship with a parent which was quite a uh, conflicted or maybe you didn't get on that well something like that you can actually associate that with oh that's normal that's like and that's what I deserve and that's what I should accept so you can think that that's actually fine and 
on the other side, if something is quite a healthy dynamic, you can be like, oh, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel safe to me. You almost associate that chaos with safety, which is, mm. so I think actually leaning in and finding a secure partner or choosing differently. You know, if you've got someone who's, you know, giving you all this chemistry, but it's quite chaotic, or there's someone, you know, a nice guy there, nice girl guy who's maybe a little bit boring, but you know, something could be there. Maybe give that one a chance for a while, you know, step away from the chaos, see how it feels. It might feel a bit off at first, but actually it can be really healing for you as well. Yeah. And you know what? I will so speak from experience here. Like that, I actually, I don't know how much my partner will enjoy me saying this, but I, we actually broke up for maybe just under a year um, a couple of years ago because, and I think that is exactly why we've had this conversation since that, that, that safety and that sort of, um, just the nice, like he is the nicest person that you will ever, do you know what I mean? He's so amazing in every way. And for some reason, my dumb butt was like, ew, this is so not like what it should be. And it's like all these, all these sparks were flying. I just couldn't recognize those as being the right sparks because I was like, well, where's the drama? Where's the spice? Where's the heat? And I think it's so easy to mistake that for a great relationship when actually the great relationship, I mean, and as well, you do you, but do you know what I mean? But I think a lot of that drama, we, we gravitate towards it because it's what we know. And like you said, it's, it's the norm for a lot of us. And that's honestly makes me so sad because I'm like, no, everybody needs a Chris. Like everybody needs my boyfriend this is called Chris. Everybody needs somebody that they, that they feel so loved around that they feel so like that makes them feel great about themselves and want to work on themselves rather than it being, oh, I'm not good enough for this guy or this guy's not good enough for me. Or where do you think that that kind of sits when it comes to finding your own self-worth enough and being so secure in yourself that you start to be okay or attract the people in your life that also think highly of you and think, because I know a lot of a lot of people gravitate towards people that do, you know, fudge them over and make them feel rubbish about themselves. And I mean, I know I've, I've had pet talks with a lot of people that have ended up kind of breaking off relationships or really doing a lot of communication in relationships to um, kind of acknowledge that actually they're not making them feel great or they don't feel great in themselves because of another human. How do we detach our own self-worth from that relationship and and what they kind of perceive us to be yeah so I think I think a lot of it is having an awareness of maybe why you are attracted to those people so maybe looking at okay maybe my parents relationship they modeled that to me that might be a reason or might be a past relationship that's caused it so having an awareness of why you're attracting these people and like I said choosing differently as well and as well just you know, when you start to get to know yourself and have that self-worth within yourself, realizing that you don't need someone else to give you that. So a lot of people will like choose a partner that looks good on paper because that builds on their own self-worth because they're like, oh, well, I've got a partner. So now I'm more worthy because I'm in a relationship where actually like it makes them feel shit. So 
it's actually choosing someone being very discerning when you're dating as well instead of just choosing someone because you want a relationship or you want something to make you feel good choosing something based on a connection that actually makes you feel good and I think it's about you know understanding all of that having boundaries in the start of dating actually finding a good match for yourself yeah how do you even because I mean let's be honest there's so many different dating apps out there now it's like a minefield nowadays most people we don't tend to meet people in the real world anymore and so finding that connection through an app is probably a lot more difficult and we do tend to base it on what does this person look like is their you know tinder bio funny or do they have a picture of a dog in there like do you know what I mean like we base it on such different things nowadays like how do you how would you go about figuring out a what what that connection is you're even looking for what you are looking for in a partner and b I guess how do you figure out if you have that connection with someone when we're not necessarily always talking in in real life to figure that out yeah so a lot of that I think comes down to understanding yourself and actually doing some work about what is it that I want you know because I think if you don't know yourself it's hard to know what you want a relationship as well so maybe having a look at your values things like that what is your vision for a relationship what what is it you want do you want a family do you want a dog do you want someone to go on adventures with like do you want someone who's funny or do you prefer someone who's caring? Actually really getting to know the kind of person that you are, you are looking for. And, you know, that might change a little bit as you meet people and it doesn't have to be perfect as well. But actually having an idea of what it is you want. And, you know, when you're talking with someone, making sure that you're not just trying to. And this can be, you know, a lot of people pleasers or the more anxious attached can just have this. Oh, I'm trying to win you over. So I get that connection. Actually just being yourself, being authentic you know, and finding that true connection for you, because, you know, it's not about just finding someone, you want to talk freely and be yourself and, you know, find someone based on that. Yes. And that is so, we so often brush over that. We would rather, so many of us would rather have somebody there, even if it makes them lose themselves, than be themselves enough to be like, if that person isn't right for me, that's cool because there's going to be somebody else that is perfect for me. And I've spoken about this so often on my podcast as well. I had a big thing where when I was younger, I would I would mold myself to fit into what somebody else expected or needed or wanted of me, all down to like even... Um, I would listen to the types of music that that person liked because I'd be like, well, then, you know, we're going to be like together forever because we both love Drake. You become like a chameleon and it's like, not like true connection. And actually it's quite unattractive as well. If you have someone who bends to you, it's not very attractive because it's like, oh, they can tell, like, why are you just doing that? You're becoming a doormat. A lot of people think it is attractive because, you know, you like the same things like, Actually, if someone says they like football and you like tease them about how shit it is, that's actually quite fun and quite like attractive to them. But if you're like, oh yeah, I love it too. They're like, all right, okay. They can tell that's like not authentic as well, you know? Yes, a hundred percent. And I think it's so like, it's so important to be authentic in, especially in dating at the beginning, because I mean, again, I say this all the time, like if you're changing yourself to fit into what somebody else wants you to be, you're not finding your people. Like you're always going to be feeling, you're always going to be falling short of what you really want out of a relationship because you're just constantly, not even compromising, but just chipping away bits of yourself to fit into what somebody else wants you to be, right? And so how important do you think it is to really, and, and I guess 
we know it's important, but how do you really show those, uh, I guess, your own quirks, your own personality? How do you let that shine through in a relationship, especially those of us that are maybe a little bit less confident when it comes to being ourselves and, and fully showing our authentic sides of us? And I guess like the flaws, the imperfections, the the insecurities, the things that we deem as weaknesses in ourselves, how do we open up to that when we're dating to allow the other person to see that? And I guess let them into our world as it is, rather than trying to portray, I guess, this perfect version of us that's like flawless and amazing and filtered and fabulous. How do we break that wall down to allow the person that's really meant for us to come into our lives? Yeah, like I love that because that's something I used to really struggle with as well. Like I'd be messaging someone and I'd be constantly deleting the message because I'm like, that doesn't sound good enough, you know? And I would be changing myself as well. And I think ultimately it comes down to understanding like perfection and perfectionism doesn't exist. So if you're trying to connect someone from being this perfect person, they're not going to connect with that because they're not a perfect person. We're all human beings. And I think recognizing that is quite important like okay if I try to be this perfect person they're actually not going to really connect with that like you can't connect with perfection how we connect is through being human beings through being vulnerable through showing our emotions through showing the good times the bad times and it's actually quite boring if there's none of that you know so if you think about it like actually the way I the way I can make a connection is just you know showing all of me so they will show all of them as well, because if you don't show all of you, they're not going to feel safe to show them Then At the end of the day, they want that true connection as well. Yeah, that's what you want. Like you want to see. And I think a way to really, uh, I guess, kind of bring that home is to be able to look at the people in your life that you love mm-hmm. and say, like, what is it that I love about them? And again, I say this all the frigging time, but like, you don't love the people in your life because they have a flawless filter on or because they are brilliant at, I don't know, whatever sport or because they're, you know, perfect at painting or drawing or because they're brilliant at articulating their texts. Like you don't love people for that. You love people because they're a little bit clumsy because they kind of trip over their words sometimes because they spill the drink every time you're on a date together. Like you love those human parts of them. So why is it that we're so keen to cover up those imperfections and, and, and so scared of letting those people in? Yeah. And a lot of this can come down to childhood as well, past relationships. If, you know, if as a child you got you know shouted at for showing part of yourself if you know you are quite a funny person they would say shut up be quiet that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. can teach you to then not express those things or you have a fear that if you do you're going to get rejected so a lot of this can come down to those aspects so it's about you know practicing showing those things and just practicing being more vulnerable and seeing that you're not going to be rejected for that you know and I think yeah. just you know, experimenting, showing a little bit more of yourself. And when you realize people are responsive to that and don't shut you down and don't make a f- make fun of you, but that's why we can feel a lot of, you know, insecurity and low self-esteem, low self-worth because of things that have happened where we have had a bad reaction to that in the past. Yeah. And I guess opening that door is so scary as well. If you've been taught your whole life that that's not acceptable in some way, starting yeah. to kind of take those baby steps to actually allow people to see you for who you are can be really freaking scary but I think that 
it's it's 100% the best way to be able to open yourself up to even just personal growth as well. Like we talk so much about self-worth and what we do, but being able to grow and evolve and, and open up more of your authentic self to the rest of the world can be really scary. And I think what you were saying about being able to show that to other people and to your partner and not, not let that be squashed and not, not have that be squashed, build that confidence to keep doing it. Right. What happens when you get to a point where maybe you are, again, I have this conversation a lot with the Queens in my world of when you're on a personal development journey, you're on a growth journey, you're, you're, leveling up as we say and you're trying to just become a better version of yourself Mm -hmm. that can sometimes threaten a relationship and that can sometimes make either the other person or yourself want you to stop growing because that growth is scary that change is scary but more so the way that that person may respond to that could threaten that relationship in some way so how would you navigate your own personal growth and your own personal changes in a way that allows, I guess, your partner to, to know that, you know, I guess mainly what I'm trying to say is a lot of the conversations I have are around the person that you're with or the relationship you're in, not liking the fact that you are growing in fear that they are going, that you're going to outgrow them. How yeah. does that show up in, in the work that you do and, and how do you navigate that? Yeah, so that's quite funny actually because I, when I started my therapy training, they were said, um, we'll put like a disclaimer on this that you know, a lot of people actually go through like divorces and stuff after this yes. training. Yes, I see why though. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think ultimately, you know, you, you have to recognize you on your own, own journey and your partner or whoever you're with is on their own journey as well. And it's, you know, when you're doing the work, just kind of reassuring them, just like, you know, this is how I feel in the relationship, keep communicating. And, you know, you can invite them to rise as well, instead of, you know, them feeling so insecure, you can say, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you get some coaching and therapy and, but ultimately not judging them for being on their path, because I think we are all on different journeys and you can still be in a healthy relationship, but respecting that you're on different journeys with that, but also like, you know, encouraging them a little bit, like, oh, I've read this amazing book. What do you think about this? And, you know, I think a lot of the time as well, especially in like male, female, you know, we're, we're a lot better at connecting to our emotions just through society and things like that. I think sometimes men like need, you know, that safe space to, to, not, to know that it is okay to look at that stuff. So we can actually like inspire them in a way, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's so interesting as well, because I, I agree with you in terms of, I think, as women, we tend to want to grow and want to be better and want to improve ourselves. And maybe that's because a lot of us feel that we started out being very low confidence, very unsure of ourselves, self-worth generally. I don't know. And I don't know if this is true either, but maybe it's because men don't talk about it so much Mm -hmm. that they might not feel so confident or, or so secure in themselves but being able to overcome those securities, I feel like we love that shit. Do you know what I mean? Like self-development, self-help podcasts and books and even Instagram frigging accounts. Do you know what I mean? All of those things. I feel like we love that stuff. But especially in the, the male-female dynamics in my life and in, in the Queen's lives that I help, it's it's very much like I'm worried that if I 
go on this journey, my partner won't love me anymore or I'll, or we'll grow in separate directions. Yeah. I think that's such a huge reason why we tend to keep playing small because we don't want to make others feel uncomfortable and we don't want to maybe necessarily grow apart. But do you think that you can, you can keep growing even if that person that you're with maybe doesn't, let's say, want to grow with you? Yeah. Do you think that that's okay to maybe stay in those dynamics? Or do you think there's a real important time to discuss? And I think, you, you know, communication, like you said, is so important in that. Yeah. Do you think there's ever a time when, when you have to kind of turn around and say, do you know what? Yeah, we have outgrown, like I've definitely outgrown this situation. Or is it like we really need to fight to kind of grow with each other rather than separately? Yeah, so I think like, again, it, it depends how you feel in the relationship. Some people might be very happy just growing and letting the other person go with what they're comfortable with as well. But there will be a point if, you know, you're just not happy because you want someone who is able to connect on that deeper level. I think that's the the worry, isn't it? That the other person might not have done as much growth and, you know, you're looking for a deeper connection almost. And if they have not gone there, because I think people can only love us from you know, how much they've connected to themselves almost. Mm. So I guess it, I think like it's dependable, depending on what you're happy with in the relationship, but just make sure if you're in the relationship and you're not feeling that that's enough for you anymore, then there does need to be a conversation there, definitely. But if you're quite happy just doing your own thing and, you know, you're still in a happy relationship and happy with them, you know, moving at their pace, then that's fine as well. Yeah. You mentioned about connecting with yourself and the, the being able to connect with others. Mm -hmm. it, I, only, I guess, at the same capacity you can connect with yourself. How would you, how do you connect to yourself? So connecting to yourself is very much just like, basically it's about getting to know yourself and all of the feelings, all of the emotions inside of you, knowing how you work, you know, really understanding you. And I think, that's where self-worth is and you know building that secure connection is and actually loving all those little parts of yourself and really knowing your triggers everything um and you know if a lot of the time if you're if you connect with two people who you know have that good self-connection and good relationship with themselves the, the relationship will connect on that way and you'll kind of flow together whereas if you're connecting with someone who's missing a part you're kind of like jammed together does that make sense yeah so I feel like so much of connection is like you said being able to really truly love yourself and yeah. I think that is one thing that a lot of us especially women we really struggle with yeah. and you know like you've said actually with all of the even with the different attachment styles it is being able to love yourself unconditionally to be able to put yourself fast and and then you can you know set your strong boundaries and enforce those boundaries and communicate those boundaries in a really positive way without it then feeling like you're constantly going back on yourself or or putting your worth below other people's mm -hmm. what do you think are some really actionable steps to be able to start that journey of of being able to really truly love yourself unconditionally unapologetically to be, you know, okay sharing yourself with the world? I think just practicing being a bit more vulnerable, putting yourself out there. And I think just really getting to know yourself as well, because 
there's so many people who have ideas of who they think they are because of how they've been brought up and they've gone down a certain path and actually they're not very happy so actually going back and be like who am I like what is it that makes me tick what what do I enjoy you know spending a bit of time with yourself like really journaling on things as well getting to know your values maybe thinking about things that have happened in your life forgiving yourself for things building that becoming your own best friend really and just giving yourself that love that you give everyone else just really getting to know yourself on a core level all of the feelings fears triggers you have do you feel like so I kind of I want to go back to I guess that when you said about creating boundaries and and communicating and I think that those things are really important in a relationship. And I think they're things that we do not do enough of. And you mentioned people pleasing earlier. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to me about what that, how that shows up in a lot of people when it comes to being in relationships. And even when you start dating somebody, you mentioned that it was so important straight away to set those strong boundaries with people. What would that look like at the start of a relationship? Yeah. So if, if you think about boundaries, you want to kind of set them early because whatever you create, whatever relationship d- dynamic you create is going to kind of get stuck. So if you think about your, your like family relationships, they've been built over like years and there will be certain dynamics in those that maybe you're not very happy with, but that's kind of how it's built. So if you think when you start out a relationship with someone, you want to set those boundaries from the start so they know how to treat you. Um, so it is just about, you know, you know, for example, let's say someone turns up on for a date late, you know, setting that straight away, be like, oh, you know, it was, it was really nice to see you this week, but actually I didn't really enjoy that you were late. Next time, if you could be on time, that'd be great. And that's just little things from the start showing that, you know, you value your time. And that kind of makes them step up a little bit. They're like, oh, okay, right. This is what, this is what this girl needs. And okay. They actually respect you more for that as well. Yeah, I think I freaking love that because I think as well, we're so, especially the British, we're so like, oh, it's fine. Like no drama. You just carry on being a dick and I'll just carry on accepting it because I don't want to communicate that. But I think that is such a, because as well, if you let that slide, you let that slide, you let that slide, you keep letting it slide. A, it shows them, yeah, that they can get away with it and they can do that to you and that that's okay. But also I feel like, again, that chips away at your self-worth every, like every time it happens because you've not communicated that that's important to you. And I think a lot of the reason either relationships break down or things don't work out or even just dynamics crumble is because we've set, we've got a boundary, but we've not communicated that boundary. And then we expect them to still mind read and know the boundary and then when they cross it every time, we're like, what a snake. Yeah. But actually, we never really communicated it in the first place. So exactly. what would you do in the circumstance of like, okay, so someone's crossed that boundary time and time again. Yeah. You didn't communicate it clearly in the first place. It's yeah. now been kind of, because I know what we're like. We'll be sitting there thinking, oh, and I can't tell them now. It's like, you know, when someone, you've like not told someone your name and you've not corrected them on that name. And then they just start calling you like, I don't know, Natalie. And you're like, it's Nicola. But you don't want to say it because it's been too long of them calling you Natalie. So do you know what I mean? They've got away with it for too long that you're like, I can't tell them now. I'm just going to forever be called Natalie. How would you then kind of, I guess, initially create that boundary after, a really long time of it not being met for you 
Yeah. So I think that it's never too late to set a boundary. So don't think, oh, I can't set that boundary now. You can even go back and just say, uh, look, I know I didn't say anything last time when this happened. And I know I've not said anything before, but actually this is really important to me. And, you know, they might then be like, oh, okay. Like a bit of a shock, but it's absolutely fine just to go back and just be like, actually, I haven't said this before, but this is my boundary. So here it is. Mm. <laughs> I love that in that way as well of being like, cause it's so easy for things like that to end up in a defensive argument of like, well, why didn't you say that? And do you know what I mean? It get quite, quite petty with it, but being able to say, actually, just so you know, like I actually didn't love it when you did that or when you said that or when this happened, rather than it then escalating into those arguments and those blowouts of like you both being mad at each other for kind of no reason when it was just a miscommunication in the first place. And I think that's so powerful to be able to actually have those conversations in a calm way without it exploding. And, and I know that it's very easy for a lot of people to get defensive when you're having those tough conversations. I think especially if, especially when it comes to boundaries, when you're setting them clearly, I think you, you have to really come at it from a, this is my perspective and how I feel about things. But what are the tips would you give to somebody who is really having to set that boundary, but trying to avoid that argument that might you know, it's triggering for people a lot of the time, I think. So how would you go about really setting that boundary in a way that doesn't then escalate into something more? Yeah, that's a really important question. And I think boundaries have different stages as well. So, you know, um, it's very important to like recognize that stage. And you might need to set the boundary a couple of times for it to really get through. And that's fine. You know, you don't expect you, you set the boundary and that's it. They need to like know it, you know. So for example, with the late example, you know, you might send like a little flirty message, like, you know, oh, I didn't, didn't appreciate you being late, wink, wink. So that's, that is actually a boundary as well. It's like you communicating to them, but in a very nice way. And that let's say they were late again the next week, then you can like step it up a little bit and actually say, I really didn't appreciate you being late, you know? And if they keep disrespecting that boundary as well, then you know, it's a, okay, well, they're obviously not gonna meet my needs on this thing. Do I actually want this connection? And I think, you know, at the start, you might do like little like fun boundaries. Um, but when it's getting a little bit more serious, making sure, like you said, using the I feel statements. So this is how I feel about it. Instead of saying you, you know, you, you're not you're not respecting my time because actually it's not that they're not respecting your time. It's just that behavior that they're doing. So you can feel like, I feel like when you don't, don't turn up on time, like you're not respecting me. So it's like, it's a very different approach and they don't feel attacked. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're saying, you're never on time, they'll feel very attacked and that can cause them to be defensive. But if you say, you know, I feel, or I'd love it if you were on time next time. Like it's a very different approach to, you know, helping them. If you think of it, you want to help them rise rather than criticize them. You want to show them what it is they need to do to get that connection from you rather than just uh, criticizing for them for what they're doing wrong. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And like, I, I was watching um, the Brene Brown documentary on, I can't remember what it's called, maybe Dare to Lead, or it's probably another one, I'm not sure. But yeah. she said in that, something that really stuck with me is that the the phrase, instead, when you're having these big communications, big conversations about things, instead of it being the attacking of like, you're doing this, you're doing that, being able to say the truth I'm telling myself about this situation is. Yeah. So yeah. being able to say, this is the story I'm telling myself about, you know, 
So you being late, instead of it being the attack of like, you're always late, that's so rude, like disrespectful, you don't care about me, but yeah. saying it the way that I'm narrating this in my head when you turn up late feels like you're not respecting my time, which makes yeah. me feel, and this is the story I'm telling myself. So is that true? Do you know what I mean? And I think being able to do it in that way is so powerful. Definitely. And like just realizing as well, people have two perceptions on things. Like that person might have been grown up just always being late and not seeing it as a massive issue. And they might like, oh, okay, I really didn't think that you would feel like that. So actually telling them how you feel rather than thinking them being late is an attack on you. It's actually probably nothing to do with you. It's just like a habit they have, you know? Yeah. And this is, this shows up so much as well, I think in relationships of just, uh, obviously when you're growing up in your household, you have different, mm, just different things that you do with your family. And like uh, one really great example of this is me and my partner. So every time my partner leaves the house in my family, if you left the house, it would be big hugs, big kisses. Goodbye. I'll miss you. Love you so much. Like, you know, it was a real big send off when, even if someone's just going to the shop. So now if my boyfriend leaves work, like the other week he left for work and he didn't even say bye. And I was absolutely mortified. I was like, he's mad at me. He's angry. Like, And I started to, again, tell myself all these stories. And then I was like, that's so silly. And immediately squashed it and just realized that, no, he just, that's just not something he does in his, in his, when he grew up or in his previous relationship, he doesn't see leaving the house as a big deal. It's just like, yeah, I'm going out, see you in a minute. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, why have you not told me that I'm the most amazing person that ever existed whenever you leave the house? Yeah. So again, we have that conversation and being able to communicate that and say, actually, I would love it if whenever you leave the house, we, you know, we just have that little kiss to say goodbye. That really means so much to me rather than being like, you don't love me because you left without telling me it. Um, I think so important. And I guess a really big question is, do you feel when that, when those dynamics are different and when people have maybe different values or different opinions or perspective on perspectives on things, how important do you feel compromise is? with relationships and I guess there's things that you would compromise and things that you wouldn't but how do you kind of figure out what's what's worth compromising and communicating on and and changing for somebody else and what's like no this is I this is the way I do things and this is how it's going to be do you know what I mean how how do you kind of decide what's compromisable in a relationship yeah so I guess like it would be what are your non-negotiables you know um, and you have and I think that's why it's so important to understand yourself and what you want um, to so that you know your non-negotiables and the, there are things that you won't compromise on and you know in yourself that you're not going to feel happy with like for example if you really want a dog and this person hates dogs like I don't know why anyone would but like if like if they're dead set that they hate dogs you need to really think about that and go right okay well I know I really want a dog so I need to actually think can I compromise on this yeah red flag (laughs) yeah yeah there will be sometimes you're like actually actually yeah okay they don't like this favorite pizza I think I can compromise on having our separate pizzas but like something like as fundamental as wanting a family that kind of thing you really need to think okay this is actually going to affect my happiness quite a lot so yeah it's, it's it's about thinking about what is what can you compromise on but I do think compromise is really important for example at the minute like um, I love the beach 
Um, I really want to live near the beach. My partner, he loves uh, he loves being in the countryside. So it's like, okay, how can we compromise and live somewhere that we're both going to be quite happy with? Do you know? Uh, oh my God. Have you found a place? Have you found like a location that you've set on with that? Yeah, we've, we've looked at a few places that are quite like, yeah, we're not at that moving in point yet, but it's, you know, we've been together like a year and a half now. So we're starting to think about that, but it is about like, you can, you know, compromise on those things as well. But if there is like a negotiable, if I was like, no, that's it. I want to live on the seafront. I'm not living anywhere else. This has been my dream since I was like two, you know, but actually I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I do like going to the beach, but actually I do quite like the, you know, the countryside as well. So, you know, as long as I can get to the beach sometimes as well, you know, it's about deciding what's important for you. I live so far from the beach. Like I'm literally, if you plonked me the farthest away you could ever be from a beach in the UK, I'm it. Like, it's, oh, really? it's, everyone, I ha, I'm so jealous of all the people that are like, oh yeah, I just went to the beach today. I'm like, what? That is a literal like planned mission for me to be able yeah, to get I'm to I'm not going to come moving with you, sorry. I know. <laughs> One day though, you can come and do it. We'll do a podcast episode from my office. Oh, that'd be amazing. I know, I'm getting a podcast set up going. We'll have the cute pink yeah. sofa and everything. So it'll be amazing. Oh, that's very exciting. <laughs> right so I have a couple of questions from some some people on Instagram we've had we've got one juicy question to be honest that I think actually all of the other questions that I have had we've kind of answered throughout the the episode anyway and there is one big question I is like real agony aunt vibes and I feel like when I read it out I'm just gonna feel like I'm actually on what what they like those like advice columns um so we've got two questions first question finding the balance between being too keen and not giving a shit at the start of the talking phase yeah so I think this kind of links a little bit to the sort of anxious avoidant dynamic yeah so I guess like if you are more anxiously attached you might feel like you want to text all the time or something like that. Or if you're a more avoidant, you might, you know, not, not like that. You might think, you know, someone's being a bit needy if they text too much. And I think ultimately it is about making sure that you are coming from an authentic space, you know, not feeling like you have to give all of your time to this person, but also not feeling like, you know, that you should ignore this person as well. Like there's no rules to this, just, it being quite a natural connection and if you're busy you don't have to text someone back straight away but also if you are interested in building a connection with someone realize that you are going to have to have to put a bit of effort into that as well but you know not worrying if someone doesn't text you back straight away like they're probably just busy or they have you know a different kind of relationship with texting than you it doesn't mean anything about you just letting it be quite natural responding when you have time things like that Yeah, I think it's so funny as well, because I know in (laughs) previous, like when I've started a texting phase with someone and it's, I think a lot of the times, especially when you're younger or maybe some more immature relationships, it's like, he's taken two hours to respond. So I'm going to take four. And it's like, (laughs) ah, just if you feel like I'm, and I'm so, how do you feel about double texting? Because I feel like this is a big topic. I'm like, (laughs) I will triple quadruple text I don't even give a shit where do you stand on that (laughs) I'm a double texter like and I think it probably comes from my anxious attachment so I will just you know send another little text little reminder that I'm there but and I don't think it's a bad thing I think when it gets to like you know 
it gets to the point where if you haven't heard from someone for like a day or two and you're still texting them or even like a week and you're still like, hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. I think that's when it becomes an issue. But if someone is generally being quite responsive and you send another double text, that's fine. Or if you're like in a conversation and you're texting and you send five messages, that's totally fine. But I think it's if they're sending very little to you and you're sending quite a lot. Like, I think there's a guy, have you heard of Matthew Hussey? Yes. Um, yeah he says look at like the color you know you have like green is what you send and blue if you look at that and it's like all you <laughs> basically a lot of green and like one bit of blue you should be like okay hang on maybe I'm like overdoing it here yeah it should be a bit more balanced so yeah <laughs> yeah and I think as well like, I'm definitely not like I'm not a chit chat texter like I wouldn't I wouldn't just sit and have a conversation with somebody in the texts. And I think being able to understand that everybody is different as well. And like some people might prefer to just literally pick up the phone and drop you a FaceTime. Like if someone called me, I'd be on the phone to them for an hour, but I'm not going to sit and text you for an hour. But I think as well, knowing that at the start of any relationship, the dating phase tends to be quite exciting. You tend to want to look at your phone to see if they've messaged. You tend to drop literally everything else that you're doing to respond to them. And so naturally your texting is a lot more than it would be later on in the relationship. And so even as that changes, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody doesn't like you as much as they did at the beginning if they're texting you less frequently less frequent yeah if they're texting you a little bit less but again that communication so being able to say outright if you don't want to be texting a lot being able to just say yo yeah I'm not really a texter so like voice note me or let's have a call rather than it being like oh my god why isn't he texting me back like if he's at work all day like why why can't he just even when he's just gone to the bathroom drop me a message like I think we really overthink things like that being able to literally ask the question outright like yo are you working today like are you busy cool I'll leave you to it and being able to have that space from texting when you need to do you know what I mean so that because you're allowed to be keen I think like we're so afraid to care in this world nowadays and I think it's so like oh my god I don't want to come across too needy and I'm like bitch I moved in with my boyfriend day one like I literally went to his house for a cheeky little you know sleepover and I never went home two weeks later my mum was like where are you <laughs> what's going on and I was like by the way I got a boyfriend bye and yeah and so it was so funny actually that this question came up because when you said about um you and your partner not being ready to move in yet and you're a year and a half in I was like yo both times with my boyfriend I moved in day freaking one I'm like okay maybe I am an anxious attached <laughs> oh, so that it is like like you say though people have different things when it comes to texting and different ways of like living you move in straight away and I think it is just finding out what that other person likes as well and I think you can communicate in ways like you know at the start of when you're texting and you really like it when someone messages a lot you can be like oh I love hearing from you every morning bam there you go you get text every morning and just by um you know what you the way you are will automatically like go to them as well like if you just text them after work they'll probably fall into that routine as well. And it's just about kind of finding your balance together. And, you know, you can, you can communicate as well. Like, you know, I I love hearing from you every day, or it'd be really nice to have a phone call in the week if you're up for that. Like, don't be afraid to ask those things as well. Yeah. To literally communicate your needs and, and your desires and what you want out of this, this kind of texting phase. Like, I love that. And I think as well, like, like you said, being able to recognize like, okay, sometimes 
like a lot of my friends when they've been in that sort of dating phase and they're, they're like in the texting and let's call it the texting phase because I feel like that's such a phase yeah yeah. when they're in the texting phase like I'm definitely a person that I would long text you and then wait four five six hours and then long text you again and we'd have big long messages between each other where we cover a a bunch of different topics or like conversations but then some people are like I can't deal with more than one question and they have short short snappy texts to each other and I think again, it's so easy to kind of think, oh, well, if, if we're not having those long, deep conversations, then there's no, we're not having that connection or there's no spark there or like he's so boring to talk to or she's so boring to talk to. But actually it's just like the different ways in which you communicate. And like, I don't think there's any right or wrong. It's just yeah. how you kind of sit with each other and how you fall into each other's space. Yeah, definitely. Like I was a big long texter as well, but yes, yeah, some people are just more like, have friends who like to hear from people all the time they like you know having those bantery messages but that would I would I would get really annoyed with that because I like my own time yeah (laughs) oh that's actually a question so before I get into the last question which actually kind of ties in quite nicely to that really in terms of the the talking to somebody and and having that kind of not response or ghosting I guess kind of ties back into that anxious and an avoidant but having that dynamic where somebody who needs a lot of space with and likes their own company I feel like that's more of a an avoidant trait would I be right in that yeah and then the anxious attachment style might want a lot more kind of quality time with the other person so being able to I guess navigate that dynamic where someone who does love a lot of personal space a lot of free time a lot of their own time versus someone who like like for example me I would be happy staying in my boyfriend's company forever like I'm not fussed about having my own space or my own time like I rarely need to be alone whereas whereas he is like let me play Call of Duty for the next 17 years and then I'll be friends with you again. Do you know what I mean? I think we have a very different dynamic with that. And I learned very quickly that that's just what he needs and that's okay. And so I have to be okay doing my own thing as well. And that we don't need to be spending every single night together, even though that's maybe what I'd learned from previous relationships was the dumb thing. And so how do you navigate the, uh, even just the differences in personalities in that way and, and, the people who may be being able to give somebody that space or being able to meet their needs in the way that that they need you to be met. Yeah, I think like, especially like in the, in the texting and stuff at the start, if someone is like texting a lot and that is not like what you want, you can't just, you know, communicate that and just like, just say like, you know, I love chatting to you, but I'm quite busy during the day. I'll, I'll message you in the evening, just letting them know and helping with that insecurity as well. But yeah, just communicating or, you know, if you're on the other side and you're the one who texts a lot and you're maybe not hearing from them as frequently as you want, just be like, oh, okay. And, you know, I quite like to hear from you more often, you know, and see what they say. But, you know, it might be that you're just not compatible if you need that and they don't, or it might be that you talk about it and then you compromise and work through that. So yeah, just about trying to meet those needs. And if you, if you can't, that's fine as well. If you think, oh, actually, no, this is not going to work for me. You know, I I can't be on the end of my phone all the time, you know? I think people have this like weird, um, what would I call it? Like a, a kind of assumption that if you are more of that person that like likes to be in communication constantly that it is like an unattractive trait of being like I guess too needy or too keen or too over the top like even this person's question was like 
the balance between being too keen and not giving a shit. And I feel like you can be keen and, or you can be distant and still give a shit. And you can also be like, you know, really invested in wanting to have that communication constantly. And I think you're right with that. Like just being able to communicate that and seeing what the other person vibes off. And if they just, if they're not here for that, then yeah, they're probably just not for you. But being able to just communicate that in a way that is like, this is just what I need. Yeah. Like maybe thinking, thinking about as well, if you are like constantly texting, just maybe thinking about that as well and thinking, okay, if this is not like actually how I want to be, or this is not my, my favorite trait, mm-hmm. like maybe thinking, okay, how can I like actually self-soothe myself? Do I need this from them right now? Because sometimes we might just text to, you know, get our needs met outside of ourselves you know actually there are other ways you could be like if you're bored or whatever you couldn't you don't need to like text constantly you could be like okay what could I do right now so just finding that balance and making sure that you're not actually seeking you're actually wanting to text them so you can chat to them you're not just bored or you're not just seeking something from them yeah and I think that's where it comes in of like building that self-worth and building and finding what you care about and what you want out of your life and being able to not necessarily not need to lean on somebody else to have that need met and you've mentioned self-soothing a a few times in this podcast and for those of for those people that don't really understand what that means talk me through like a some what self-soothing even is and then some techniques that we can use to get more of that in our lives so that we can maybe shift into a more secure attachment style yeah so self-soothing is basically when you feel anxious you kind of come more internally than externally um you know you can do it externally as well by like say if you're feeling anxious you can be like okay what do i need right now how can i calm myself down and you know self would be looking at what you can do for yourself be it okay I'll actually go and lie down and watch something that relaxes me rather than going to talk to someone like and be like hi how are you and kind of getting that from someone else making yourself feel better and that might be through simply you know speaking kindly to yourself if you're having anxious thoughts actually asking yourself is this true do I absolutely know it's true and I thinking about that journaling on it you know looking at another person's perspective um, or, or it could be just, you know, making yourself like a nice treat that makes you feel better. And that's fine. It's just a way of calming yourself down without feeling the need to find that externally almost. Yeah. And I think a lot of us as well, we, re- we rely so heavily on external validation and external factors to make us feel important and worthy and needed. And, and yeah, just kind of like our self-esteem largely fluctuates with other people. And so finding that for yourself, I think it's just one of the most important things you can do to be able to be like, actually, it's not that I need somebody. I get to have somebody if I want them, but I don't need that person to feel whole. And I think uh, that's a really, I guess that ties in a little bit to the ne- the last question that I've got. Um, I'll just read it to you. I, I, yeah, I'll just read it to you and then we can go from there. So this lovely person sent in, my boyfriend started treating me funny for a month, just making less effort and being lazy. On my birthday, he made no plans. So I got quite upset. And in the evening asked if he could go back to his mum's for a week for some space. Two weeks later, he was on holiday with his mother of his first son. They are now together, even though we never ended it. 
I feel like I have so many questions and his answers would probably be lies. But how do I give give myself closure? Okay. Yeah, that's quite a agony out one, isn't it? There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> a lot to unpack. Um, I think what I'll say first is you don't always need closure from someone else so it's good that she said like how can I give myself that self-closure because I think there's so many people out there they find it so hard to to move on because they're waiting for that sorry from someone else but actually you don't need that if you're looking at the situation he's been an absolute prick by not actually like communicating what's happening like okay right you can see what's happening that should be the closure that you need okay he's gone and done that like that's not what I want. And just asking yourself like this situation, is this good for me? No, it's not. I think that's enough closure for that, you know, um, and realizing like it does, it doesn't sound like the best dynamic and actually being grateful for what that relationship has helped you with and has shown you. Cause I do think like a lot of people who've been through a breakup and stuff like that as well is a really like healthy part of healing is actually looking at that relationship and saying, okay, like, what have I learned from this? What am I grateful for? What wasn't working? And just and seeing it in a more positive light and realizing that obviously wasn't your person. What can I take forward from this so I can make better connections in the future? Yes, I love that because as well, I think it's, it's being able to shift from resentment and bitterness to gratitude. Yeah. Is, I mean, such an important like trait to be able to have anyway and such an important life lesson. But also knowing that most relationships in our lives like they come in I I fully believe anyway I don't know about you but I think every relationship is there for a reason they're there to teach you something whether it is for life or for a certain lesson I do think that there are lessons to learn from every single relationship and I had this to be honest I had a very similar situation a couple of years ago where I was with someone and the we were literally we were texting arranging to meet up we were quite long distance we were texting arranging to meet up that next week and he was like when are you free and I was like "Mm, whenever when are you free and he was like yeah whenever and then I said what are you doing this evening and he was like oh I'm I'm a bit poorly so I'm just gonna do some work on my laptop what about you and then I was talking blah 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 and two hours later I see on his Instagram story so he's not even hiding it like douchebag I see a video of him on his stories in Amsterdam with another girl like on his arm kissing her and I was like sorry but like I remember in that moment I I really felt like should I be trying to get closure here should I be texting him and being like you snake you know what are you doing out there? Do you know what I mean? And I just, I found so much peace by being able to, I literally, and this is honestly the biggest thing I've ever done. Like I felt like I'd really leveled up when I did this. I blocked his number. I deleted all of his like evidence of him. I unfollowed him on off Instagram because I know I would have spent the next five days stalking that story to see what else was going on, to see who this girl was. Do you know what I mean? And instead I just, deleted all evidence of his existence and was just like this is what it is I'm not going to be labeled as the psycho person for shouting at him and really giving him what was actually warranted but I was like I'm not going to give him the satisfaction I'm going to let it slide I'm going to learn the lessons I'm going to appreciate that this wasn't what I wanted out of a relationship anyway and now I know what I am not looking for moving forward and what I will not tolerate moving forward 
And I was able to just kind of, I mean, I understand where this person is coming from. I'm not sure if it's male or female. Um, I think I'm no, I'm not going to say the name, but I'm not sure if it's male or female, but they, I understand that they felt like they needed that close. They need that closure to say this, you know, they, they want answers from this guy, but I think actually, well, I mean, one thing that me not saying anything to this boy did and allowed to happen later on was a couple months later he came groveling back and wanted to tell me everything and say I'm so sorry I know that you probably hate me and I'm the last person you want to speak to and blah 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 but I need to tell you what happened I want you to understand that you know this girl meant nothing to me and all this and I think in fact if I'd have said there and then in that moment in the heat of the anger and the you know the horrid kind of just gut-wrenching feeling that I felt if I'd have responded in that moment and reacted and said you know fuzz you you're a dick leave my life like I can't believe you did this who is she why are you there how have you lied to me all this time like you've been cheating on me the whole time do you know what I mean if I'd have brought that up there and then I don't think I'd have ever got that closure of the I guess just understanding what had happened having him kind of apologize and say actually you know that was a dick move I don't think I'd have had that if I'd have reacted in that moment. And sometimes I think time to be able to process things without needing that immediate answers and the immediate like torturing yourself really to say like, well, what happened? Who is this person? Why have you done this to me? How long has this been going on? I think sometimes when you need that, I mean, nobody needs that anyway, because it is just a form of self-torture trying to find all the information. But sometimes I think that comes around later on in a in a much more calm way. And you feel so much better about the way that it played out, you know? Yeah, and I just think, you know, sometimes there's no answer. Like even they're, they're conflicted about it. They don't know why. So they might tell you something or, you know, you might make a conclusion about something to give you that, but that might not be it. And that's okay. Like just realize, look at, in the situation what has happened that's it like that's the closure that you need you know so do a a evaluation of yeah. the relationship relationship evaluation you should create exactly. a when they break exactly. up. like in your in your situation I guess you could look at that and go okay maybe in the future I'll you know try and I'll understand if we are in a committed relationship or not so that I know and I don't get hurt like that's what you learn from that and you can be grateful because next time you know you'll be more aware of that you know yeah and I'll read all of the 20,000 red flags yeah and I will not see them as slightly pink maybe a little bit orange like who knows I will be like no yeah red flag goodbye (laughs) exactly exactly things like that as well It, it does teach you what you what you will tolerate in relationships and what you won't tolerate next time and it helps you to build that portfolio of self-worth of no this is what I want this is and that non-negotiable that you were talking about earlier of like what I really need here in 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 the relationships that I have moving forward what I won't respect what I don't want to happen the sort of person or the sort of dynamic I want to be able to that I you know feel safe and good and worthy in and also being able to really find who you are when that happens because we attach a lot of our identity to that couple that we're in you know whatever kind of magnitude that was whether it was like a really long-term relationship whether it was just a few months 
we tend to build a, a couple's identity versus that personal one. Um, and so how would you like, give me some actionable tips as, as our, we'll round this off now. Give yeah. me some actionable tips as our kind of last big question on how to, I guess, deal with the loss of a relationship in finding yourself again and being able to keep yourself worth from shattering when those relationships do break down. Yeah, I think ultimately realizing that you are worthy just as you are, like you have no conditions of worth, like just as you are, you are 100% worthy. And just because a relationship has broken down doesn't make you any less worthy. Just the same as having a high paid job doesn't make you more worthy, anything like that. Like, and I think, you know, you can help this by when you do get in a relationship, making sure that you are looking after yourself as well doing things that keep you grounded in you, making sure that you're still seeing your friends, doing the hobbies that you want, because ultimately that means if a relationship does end, you've not put all of your eggs in one basket. Just really keeping that relationship with yourself and knowing that you don't need that person. They are there to add to your happiness. They are not your sole reason for living. And I think that's really important as well. Um, But, you know, if you have gone through something and you have given yourself too much to a relationship, really reflecting on that and think, okay, next time I really need to keep myself and make sure, you know, if this does end, that's okay. It's not about me. It's just not the right connection. And, you know, and build that relationship back up with yourself, spend time getting to know yourself again, you know, doing what you love that kind of thing yeah Uh, just all around focusing on yourself and like I love what you said about being able to keep doing the things that made you you before being able to continue doing them in a relationship as well I do have one last question that I ask every guest that comes on Ooh. And I really have sprung this on you because I haven't told you that this is a question. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I only I only remembered this like <laughs> about half an hour ago. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I've got to do that. So my question to you mm-hmm. is if you could give one piece of advice yeah. for every single woman in the world, on the planet, yeah. earth, what would it be? One piece of advice. I would say really get to know yourself, like actually know who you are. And like, cause when you know who you are and when you're yourself and when you're authentic, like that's when you get to do, you know, that's when you get to have the most authentic relationships. You ha- get to have the most authentic career. You get to be yourself. You get to find the friends that, you know, really fit with you. So just really understanding who you are and learning how to be that. Yes, I love that. I loved this episode so much. Amazing. I love it. I think it's so freaking important to talk about. And I think it's especially us women, we're very, very low on the self-worth vibe. And I just think any way that we can feel more confident in ourselves and therefore in our relationships and in our dynamics around us, I just think it's so important. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. If people want to find out a little bit more about you or stalk you or just get to know you a bit bit more, I'll obviously pop all of your links below, but where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Nicola Jane with three underscores. So Nicola three, I thought it was two. Oh no. Three. Three. Jane with a Y. Um, and my website as well. I've got nicolajanecoach.com. So yeah, you can find me there. Feel free to drop me a message anytime. Um, and I do have coaching spots available if anyone does feel like they need any extra support or just want, you know, someone to 
ask questions if they're texting someone and they don't know what to do or anything like that. Oh my God, can you imagine being like a professional, te- you know, when you're in like the group chat with the girls and you're all like, what do I reply? What do I reply? Like, <laughs> you're the professional text group chat girl. Because <laughs> yeah, I can give like an opinion that I think, I feel like when you ask your friends that stuff, they're very like, you know, they'll just tell you what you want to hear, don't they? I'll be like, yes. no, come on. <laughs> oh God, I love that. Okay, amazing. And you are also launching a podcast very soon because I'm convincing you to do it right now. So your podcast, yeah, your podcast will be out before okay. Christmas. That's the goal I'm setting you is okay. you have to have launched your podcast for Christmas. I have given, I've, I've done the podcast art for about five of my mentorship clients so far. So if you need someone to do your podcast art, hit me up. Gal. Not I, have me. I have no idea how to do one. So yeah, I do. I love that. Anything like making things look cute and designing things I, is my gift. Oh, amazing. Okay, that'll be my Christmas gift to you, my first episode. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm so excited. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and I will chat to you soon. I'll chat to you soon. Thank you for having me again. I look forward to hearing it as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you super loved it. And if you did, don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review and share this to your Instagram story with the tag Thrive with Jojo so we can reach even more queens and help them take over their own world too. I'll catch you in the next episode.